Hey there, this is Bo James, and on behalf of the Wix Church of the Nazarene, I just want to say thank you for joining us. I believe there is something for you in this message, and I pray that it will help you grow your faith. Enjoy. All right, so we've been doing the I am statements. What was the first one? I am the bread of life. Yeah, we can't forget the bread. So we gave out the gift card for the Texas Roadhouse Rolls, which I hear has not been used yet. We're, we're going to keep pushing them for you, Jackie. We're going to get that date not yet. I'm just, I'm trying to get it before opening of, you know, Modern Gun, because I know you're not going to see him after that. It's, it's done, right? <laughs> Christmas shopping. Just give her the card, Montana. Just give her the card. All right. <laughs> and last week our statement was, I am... The light, the light of the world. We gave away a couple of lights. Galen somehow rigged that one up well. He got, yep, look at that smile back there. So this week is I am the gate. A new door, a new gate. I didn't know how to approach this one really. You know, I've been trying to, look at Jackie. Jackie said, we need a new gate. Like, right, you need a new gate. So hopefully everyone has signed up. If you've not signed up, if you missed the sign up, raise your hand now and Thomas will get you a piece of paper. Okay, online, if you're watching with us live right now online, you need to put in the comment section the word gate, G-A-T-E, and Thomas will add you into a drawing. And today we're going to do two separate drawings. So there's a drawing for in-person, and we have a doormat and a gift card back there for that, and then we have a drawing for online. So my online people, if you feel like you've been getting gypped, today's your day. You have your own drawing. And I still, I was trying to figure out gate, door, gate, door. How do we do this? And so I did Chili's gift cards. How does Chili's equal gate? Because Chili's is the gateway to heaven on earth with their chips and salsa. I just got to tell you. So that's how I went with that one. I'm just telling you. And if Chili's isn't your thing, I think on the border is on there as well. So turn your Bibles this morning to John chapter 10 is is our actual verse, but there's a little bit of background I want to get to before I read our passage for today. John chapter 9 and 10 are actually connected together, okay? Um, John chapter 9 is where Jesus heals the blind man that was born blind. Remember this story? Um, and maybe you don't. Maybe you're like, no, I've never read this story. Well, today you're going to get a, a fast approach to it. So this man has been born blind. He's been blind all of his life. And the Jewish thought on that would have been there had to have been a sin for him to be born blind, whether he sinned or his parents sinned. There had to be sin connected to this. And so the disciples actually ask him, what was the sin? And he says, there's no sin. No sin caused the blindness. He said, but God's going to use this to get glory out of it. Just watch and see. And so there's no sin. And he actually tells the man to... Uh, he, he, Jesus makes mud with his spit and rubs on the guy's eyes. Ooh, natural healing. Ooh, it gets nasty sometimes. Ooh. Not a, not a COVID accepted approach these days, but it's Jesus, right? So there's no COVID there. So he puts mud on it and he says, Hey, okay, I want you to go down to the pool of Siloam and, uh, Sol- see, I, I want to say Siloam, Siloam Springs. That's what we would say in Arkansas. Um, And so he does, he goes down, he washes, he comes back, he can see. And so he's ecstatic. I mean, imagine, you've been born, you've never seen. 
colors. You've never seen people. You've never seen trees. And he can see. And so the people, though, they're a little concerned because guess what? It's the Sabbath. You don't do that on the Sabbath. So they take the man to the Pharisees, all right? And the Pharisees, they're not happy either because they're convinced that Jesus, he can't be the Messiah, by the way. Because look at him. He's, he's breaking the rules. He's healing on the Sabbath. He comes from a sketchy background with his mom and dad. Like we know it was out of wedlock and like that, that can't be the Messiah. You know, so they're determined. And, and we know after talking about the I am bread statement, the I am light statement, people are beginning to say, look at this guy. He's the Messiah. And so then the Pharisees actually bring the parents in. Because parents, we know, we're always responsible for our kids, right? So they bring in the parents and they're like, hey, is this your son? And has he really been healed? And they go, okay, yes, that's our kid, but you're going to have to talk to him. We're out of here. Like they rolled him under the bus big time, bigger than I do Thomas every week. They rolled him under the bus of like, he's going to answer for himself. Why did they do this? They were scared. They were scared because in chapter 9, verse 22, it says, His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders who had announced that anyone saying Jesus was the Messiah would be expelled from the synagogue. So in other words, you got kicked out of church. And it ain't like today where, so what? I'll go down the street to the next one. No, 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 no. You got kicked out of church. You're not going to be allowed in any of the synagogues now. And so he's put out, the the Pharisees have put out the memo, I better not hear one person tell me Jesus is the Messiah. And so they rolled him under the bus of like, he's an adult, he can answer for himself. And then verse 25, I love this, because they bring him in, and, and so they ask him about who this Jesus is, you know, um, and verse 25, this is what the man replies. I don't know whether he's a sinner, but I know this. I was blind, but now I see. So he's like, I can't tell you who this Jesus fella even is. I never seen him a day in my life. And <laughs> that was a true statement, right? He said, but I know this. I was blind, but now I see. Well, this obviously gets things really, really stirred up. And I'm just going to quickly read you the end of this chapter so it puts you in the context of where we are when we pick up in John 10. So verse 35. When Jesus heard what happened, he found the man and asked. So he knows that the Pharisees have have given him a hard time. They're mad at him for saying, you know, that he has healed them and, and he knows all the chaos that's been going on. And so he goes and finds the man. He said, do you believe in the Son of Man? The man answered, who is he, sir? I I want to believe in him. You have seen him, Jesus said, and he's speaking to you. Yes, Lord, I believe, the man said, and he worshipped Jesus. Then Jesus told him, I entered this world to render judgment, to give sight to the blind and to show those who think they see that they are blind. Some Pharisees who were standing nearby heard him and asked, Are you saying we're blind? If you were blind, you wouldn't be guilty, Jesus replied. But you remain guilty because you claim to see. 
So that's the background. You've got to understand when you're reading through the Bible sometimes what the complete context of what you're reading is. Because sometimes we look and go, oh, chapter 10, new chapter, new story, right? Now, you have to also remember that if you looked at old original transcripts of the original Bible, there wasn't chapters and there wasn't this break here, all right? So this is just the continuation. So John 10, chapter 1, I mean, verse 1. I tell you the truth. Now remember, who is he talking to? He's still talking to the same crowd. I tell you the truth. Anyone who sneaks over the wall of a sheepfold, rather than going through the gate, must surely be a thief and a robber. But the one who enters through the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep recognize his voice and come to him. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. After he has gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them and they follow him because they know his voice. They won't follow a stranger. They will run from him because they don't know his voice. Those who heard Jesus use this illustration didn't understand what he meant, so he explained it to them. I tell you the truth, I am the gate for the sheep. All who came before me were thieves and robbers, but the true sheep did not listen to them. Yes, I am the gate. Those who come in through me will be saved. They will come and go freely and will find good pastors. And the thieves' purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. Thieves and robbers. Now remember, who is Jesus talking to? So in this crowd, you've got the man who was born blind that he healed. You've got Pharisees who are kind of ticked off at him. And you've got anybody else in this crowd that are listening to him. I think it's easy. We sometimes kind of skip past that verses 6 through 10. Why? Because we love to talk about the good shepherd. And we will next week. That's a whole separate statement in there. Who in here has ever locked yourself out of your house? Who in the rest of you lie or you're really good or something? I don't know. Do y'all even lock your house? Wait a minute. We're in Wix. I know people that don't lock their house. All right, so you lock yourself. Who in here has ever had to climb through the window to get in your house? Yeah. Man, I want to see it. Y'all call me when that happens. That's some good video right there. This used to happen to me growing up. My mom was notorious about forgetting that house key. And, and the house key for us was a padlock, by the way, on that door. Um, and we had a window. So my mom and them used to have a front porch. It's what Thomas would know as our living room. But it used to be the front porch to the house. And there was a window right by our front door inside the porch there that every time the door was locked and we couldn't get in, guess who had to go through that window? Yeah. Um, and I didn't like it because my mom would always keep junky stuff in the window, so you had to clean out the window to get into the window. Um, and then it was on a staircase, so it wasn't like you had something just real even to get onto, you know. And because I'm the youngest and the skinniest, I always got the joy of climbing through that window. So I kind of feel like I have an inkling idea what it feels like to be a thief, right? To, to break into that window. Um, and maybe, maybe you can relate to that. Maybe you've had to break into a car or a, oh uh, yeah, look, 
Yeah, I was waiting for Bo to even look up because I know he, yeah, y'all know how to break into church fans. I just know that. Many a trips. <laughs> Many a trips. So I was looking up the word, though, thief and robber. So thief comes from the word kleptes, and it means stealer, and it comes from the word, you're going to know this one, klepto. So, you know, if you're a klepto and you like to pick up things, right, you're a thief. And kleptes, they, they steal secretly or embezzle things, I guess you would say. And so honestly, what this word probably is pointing towards is the false teachers and deceivers who would steal men away from the truth. In other words, you know people that would maybe mix a little truth with a little false to try to pull you and sway you to follow them, right? And that's who he's talking about. The word for robber is lestes, and that means to plunder. And the difference between these two words is, so kleptes, the thief, steals secretly, more quietly, while lestes robs more forcefully with violence. And Jesus is talking, yes, about false teachers that came before he arrived, that maybe tried to claim that title of Messiah, right? But he's honestly, he's talking to the Pharisees right now. This conversation is right now. He's talking to these Pharisees. And and why would he do that? These church leaders, they were leading people away from the truth, Remember back there in chapter 9, verse 22, where it said they put out the statement, if you say Jesus is the Messiah, you're out of the church. Now, we could talk about how, what their reasoning was and why they didn't want to believe Jesus was the Messiah and whether it was right, whether it was wrong. But he was the truth. He was the Son of God. And they were leading people away or trying to in, in what they were predicting them to, you know, don't, don't share that with anybody. And then he gives us these two visions of what a gate looks like. So we'll talk about the, the shepherd next week, but this week we're going to stay focused on the gate. Verses two and three talk about the gate. And what it would look like, the, the one who enters through the gate is the shepherd of the sheep, and the gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep recognizes his voice, and they come to him. So this is a visual of what we would call a, com- a communal or a community um, area for them to put their sheep. Because you got to remember, it's not like we farm today. Everybody didn't have fences around their property. You know, they went out and they, they herded their sheep in different areas. But in the evenings when they would bring the sheep back into the village, if they came back into the village, there was one place that everybody could take their sheep to keep them. And it usually would have a good gate, a good door that would be locked, and only one person, the gatekeeper, had the key to get into that communal sheepfold. So they was all kept together, one gatekeeper and one key. Kind of made me think about Revelation. Because Revelation chapter 1, remember this, says, I am the living one. I died, but look, I'm alive forever and ever, and I hold the keys of death and the grave. That's why Jesus is the gatekeeper. And then down in verse 9, he says it again. Yes, I am the gate. Those who come in through me will be saved. 
Well, you got to understand there's another sheepfold that when the shepherds take their sheep out and they don't always come back into the village, then there's places out in the pastures that would be walled and there would be one opening and the shepherd became the gate. He laid in that opening to keep the sheep in at nighttime. I hear patting them, and just so you know. (laughs) There is a can of Coke being tossed around and opened up. So yeah, yeah. I'm trying to figure out how to play this one in here, because it's actually a really good message, but yeah. Yeah, I love love her lesson. <laughs> I wasn't expecting to hear the kids, but I just I could envision that can of Coke being opened after it's been tossed around a little bit. <laughs> Back to the gate. Okay. So the shepherd lays in front of the doorway. He becomes the gate so that he's aware of of what the sheep they they can't go past him. And they're they're guarding them from bears, they're guarding them from lions. And we don't even, we don't have that. I mean, we got bears. You know, we, we worry about those kind of things. But lions? My goodness, right? Um, and so these are the kind of things that he's guarding against. So that's why in verse 9 we see a shift in what he says. So, so the 2 and 3, he is the gatekeeper. He's got the keys. He's got the keys now. Now, they don't understand this because he hasn't completed it yet, right? He's not been on the cross yet, so it probably wouldn't make sense. But in verse 9, he gives us another illustration. I am the gate. And we know this because later he will tell them, no one comes to the Father except through me. In other words, there's no other path to heaven. If we, if, if we can agree with somebody that there is a God, then we can't agree that there's separate paths because Jesus said... No one gets to the Father except through me. So that makes him either the truth or he's a liar and a lunatic. You have to make that choice that he is the only way. And remember the context of this conversation, all right? So so Jesus heals the blind man, the one they thought was blind because of sin. And he said, no, there was no sin there. There was no sin. And he healed him on the Sabbath. People are already beginning to mumble in town and around the the temple about who this Jesus is. And all this stuff we keep seeing him doing. And he's making these big statements of who he is. And so that's why the Pharisees make the public statement that they cannot call him the Messiah. Why? Because they're getting worried. And then the blind man publicly acknowledges Jesus as the Son of Man. And he worships him. Oh, church, I'm telling you, this morning I didn't sing on the last song when, when Emily got to the acapella because I just thought after studying Revelation, thank you, Lord, you just opened a door and I, I heard the voices in heaven singing with our people this morning. It's so good when you sing. And if it does my heart good, imagine how the Father feels when we lift our voices on a Sunday morning to him. Oh, he loves that. So these Pharisees, they've become furious with Jesus. I mean, they're, they're irate with him. And, and not only are people believing he's the Messiah, 
but he's breaking all these rules and it doesn't make sense and healing on the, the Sabbath and it just didn't make sense. But he's trying to show them, I am the gate. Like you're worried about these rules to get into heaven, but I'm the way for you to do it. That's what he's talking about when he says, I'm the gate. I'm the gate. I'm the way. Not the rules, not the law. (laughs) And he says, by the way, those are my rules. I I can adjust them how I need to. You just haven't interpreted how they need to be done. In Ephesians, Paul tells us, Ephesians 2.18, now all of us, all of us. That was another problem the Pharisees are having. Because see this blind man, like there has to be sin. Like we don't let sinners into heaven, right? (laughs) Oh, Jesus is rocking their world. Now all of us can come to the Father through the same Holy Spirit because of what Christ has done for us. Church family, anyone that's online with me today, there is no one so far gone that Jesus isn't saying come. Come to me. I'll let you in. I'll let you in. Do you believe that I'm the Son of God? I'll let you in. It doesn't matter what you've done. In fact, look in your Bible and start taking note of who some of these people are. David was an adulterer who murdered the husband of the mistress. Yet God called him a man after his own heart. Paul, who wrote most of the New Testament, used to imprison the Christians and lead them to their death. And yet we study his words every week. Jesus says, come, I'm the gate. I'm the gate. And then there's this interesting thing that, you know, I had to study a little bit. Verse 9 says, they'll come and go freely and we'll find good pastures. And the reason I studied this, I thought, because sometimes um, I think we like that phrase, they'll find good pastors. In fact, you know, we, we don't mean to, but sometimes we think being a Christian just means life is good all the time. No, that's not what it means. There was actually a Jewish phrase that this comes from, that they'll come and go freely. And what this was a description of, it was a life that was absolutely secure and safe. You can be in the middle of chaos and still be secure and safe. When life isn't the greatest, you can still have security and safety. So when Jesus says, I am the gate, some people may ask the gate to what? I still don't get what, what is he the gate to, BJ? He's the gate to our salvation. That's what he said in verse 9. If you are an underliner, underline verse 9. I am the gate. Those who come in through me will be saved. Salvation. What What does that even have? What does that mean? What does it mean to have a life that's absolutely secure and safe? Unfortunately, it does not mean a life with no pain or no trouble. We've been studying Revelation and we're reminded through this study that evil roams the earth. We don't like to talk about those things. That's too depressing, but it's truth. 
evil roams this earth. We live in a broken world. As soon as evil came into the world, this world became broken. Our bodies became broken. We're not meant to live perfectly this side of heaven. And that's just life, right? But we're continually reminded also what? God is on the throne. All throughout our study over these last six weeks, we'd read something that would like, oh, that was heavy. And then we'd see a glimpse of the throne. And we'd see a glimpse of, of saints around the throne singing. And it was a reminder to us that even though evil tends to roam, God is on the throne. And we know who wins in the end. A book's always better when you know the ending. Especially if it's one of those books that keep you kind of tied up in knots and you're not sure who, who's going to get, you know, the bad guy or the good guy. And Anybody ever cheated and went to the last chapter because you just think, I can't keep reading this book if it's going to end badly, right? Well, guess what? It doesn't end badly. God wins. Now, as a Christian, I still mess up. I still go through struggles in life. Life still knocks me down and knocks the breath out of me sometimes. But I get back up because I know that I know who my father is. And I know that I know whose hand that I can hold on to. Emily, thank you for that. She, I don't, oh, I see your head. There she is. Thank you for that reminder. Because sometimes we do just need that comfort of that hand to hold. So when life does knock me down, I can get back up because I know that I know I'm forgiven even when I mess up. I know that I know the enemy cannot take away my salvation. Now I can hand it over and walk away, but he can't take it from me. My life is absolutely secure and safe in Jesus Christ. That's what it talks about when it says they'll come in and go out freely. It means we can go about our day-to-day life no matter what we face, knowing that he holds us in his hand and knowing who wins in the end. And we talked about we don't know when Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming soon. What is soon? Soon Soon-ish. I told him my version of the Bible has an ish in there because we don't know the day. But I know this, if I die before he comes, I'm going to be around that throne singing. If I'm, if I'm alive when he comes, I'm going to be here when the new Jerusalem comes. I know my life is safe and secure. Does that mean somebody can take my physical body life here on earth? Yes, they can. But they can't take my soul. And they can't take what God has given me through Jesus Christ. In Revelation, then, we narrowed it down to the good side and the bad side. We, we talk about the apocalyptic side of this, of there's a good side and a bad side. We can follow the enemy in this world, or we can follow the king of kings. And how can I tell the difference, BJ? Because in verse 10, it tells me there's two totally different purposes. The thief comes to steal and kill and destroy. But Jesus said, my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. 
NIV says, I've come that they may have life and have it to the full. Maybe that's how your versions read. But the thief, see, whether, whether it's by force, how does it happen by force? When things are out of our control, when things happen to us that we didn't choose, it comes by force in our life. What about a thief? A thief is somebody that, man, they, they just make sin look real good sometimes. And we slide off on that slippery slope. But the thief comes to steal your joy. He comes to steal your love for others. Oh, they did a good job of that over election season, didn't they? <laughs> love just flew right out that door. He comes to steal our compassion for other people when we get too focused on our borders sometimes and forget that the gospel is a gospel that's global. He comes to kill our relationships with our spouses, with our children, with our friends. He comes to kill our hope when we feel so beaten down. He comes to destroy God's children. See, Satan hates God, but he can't touch him. In fact, he got kicked out of heaven, so he can't even touch him. But he can roam in our life. So he comes to destroy God's children. He comes to destroy the church body. He says, well, maybe I can't stop you from going to that building this morning, but I'll make it so bitter inside you don't want to be there. And he splits churches. He comes to destroy the plans to lead us forward. Church, listen. I know sometimes we love that last part of that verse and we read this verse as an abundance and think an abundance in material things, but that is absolutely not what this verse means. That's not what Jesus is talking about. How do I know? Because we have brothers and sisters in Christ all around this world that will never even have a single portion of what you and I have. But they have the same promise and the same message of that rich and abundant life. The message is global, is global. And see, sometimes when the thief comes in and says, see, you didn't get the promotion, God doesn't love you. Maybe you didn't get the promotion because it's not where God wanted you. Maybe you didn't get the promotion because the person that did, that was their blessing. See, don't get it tied up with how big your house is or how big your paycheck is or how secure you feel with earthly things. When we remember the message is global, that means it has to fit me just as much as it has to fit somebody in South Africa. That means it has to fit somebody just as much in, in China. The message is the same. What, in the commentary, it read this way. Once anyone discovers through Jesus Christ what God is like, a new sense of safety and security enters into life. If life is known to be in the hands of a God like that, the worries and the fears are gone. Scripture tells us you'll have a peace that passes understanding. In other words, it doesn't make sense. Like, you're about to lose your job and you have peace about it? How can you do that? 
Because my God is big enough to handle this. My God has already seen my tomorrows. And we'll figure it out together. Sometimes the the best tactic, though, of the thief is to make us insecure in what we don't know. Oh, we walked into Revelation with a lot of I don't knows. And we walked out of a Revelation with a lot of I don't knows. And Shelly has determined math teachers have no jobs. Numbers don't matter. (laughs) Because there's a lot of numbers in Revelation that we can't figure out. And it's okay. One of the most freeing things I think we came out of this study with is it's okay not to know everything. Because what I do know is God is on the throne and he's still in control. And I know that doesn't make sense when we see some of the things we do. But that's when we have to remember what we do know. Let me go back to the blind man who's listening to Jesus. He said, I don't know if this guy's a sinner. I don't know who Jesus is. Never seen him. I don't know. I know nothing about him. So I don't know if he's all that y'all say he is or if he's not who you say he is. He said, I don't know. He said, all I know, I was blind, (laughs) but now I see. Sometimes you have to go to what you know. Sometimes we, we feel insecure about telling other people about Jesus. I don't know if I know how to explain. Explain to them what he did for you. That's your testimony. And if you say, well, I I don't know how to explain that, then let me ask, do you have a testimony? Are you sure that you know Jesus Christ? Not that you know you go to church. (laughs) Not that you know you've sat by Grandma for 40 years. Not that you know that, well, I don't know, we've always been Nazarenes because that's what Grandma was, that's what Mama was. I, I I don't know. Do you know? The Pharisees didn't like Jesus as the Messiah because he wasn't following the rules. We have to be careful not to put our expectations on Jesus to fit what we think it should look like. Jesus died on the cross to be that final sacrifice for our sins. He rose from the grave. Why? So he could have the keys to death in the grave. Which means we live eternally in the presence of God. We talked in Revelation about the second death and and what it was. It's being separated from God eternally. End of story. No more chances. But because I know Jesus, I can go in and come out freely and feel really good. That I know. That I know. And church, it all starts with the same question that Jesus asked the blind man. Do you believe in the Son of Man? So if you say, I don't know how to share Jesus with people, then maybe you need to find him first. Do you believe in the Son of Man? Have you ever personally answered that question? Today's the day. Today is the day of salvation, the Bible says. 
your opportunity to say, you know what, I don't know all about Jesus. I don't know all about God. I can't quote the Bible, but yeah, I believe. I believe. And maybe you need to make that a public statement today. So if that's your answer for the very first time, altars. I want you at the altars today so your church family can pray around you. And you're saying, but, but BJ, I'm, I'm, I'm in my 60s and, it, and it's going to be kind of embarrassing. I don't care. Maybe you've never had it click in your brain to think, I don't know that I've ever said yes just for me. <laughs> I just thought I came to church every Sunday and that made me a Christian. Nope. That just makes me happy you're here. <laughs> Have you said yes? Yes, Lord, I believe. And have you started that process? Maybe today online you need to type in the comments, yes, I believe, for the very first time, so that we know to be praying with you. I'm going to pray for us, and Bo, I don't, I don't care what music you, just something quiet. Church, we need some altar time. We need to make sure that we know, that we know, that we know. Because there's one gate. Jesus Christ. You can have perfect attendance in church, perfect attendance in Sunday school, and still not go through the gate. Have you said yes? I believe. Stand with me this morning. And as we pray, these altars are open, and if this is the first time you want to come pray and your family pray around you, come. Maybe something else spoke to you in this message today, and you just want to come and bow before God and worship Him this morning and pray. Your church family will pray around you. Dear Heavenly Father, we come today. Oh, Lord. Never matters how old we are. I was in college before I got serious with you, Lord. <laughs> hmm. Today's the day. Whether it's here or online, I pray somebody is saying yes right now that you want a relationship with Jesus Christ as Savior. And maybe maybe today is a day that you say, I, I remember saying yes, BJ, but hmm, I don't know if I've been following the way I should. Then today's the day. Yes, Lord, I want to follow. Maybe today is the day that you walked in feeling something heavy burdened on your heart. Lay it down at his feet at the altars today. Today is the day. Yes, Lord, I believe. Lord, thank you for your word today. Thank you that I know the world is trying to tell me there's so many ways and so many paths to get there. But your word spoke truth today when Jesus said, I am the gatekeeper. He's the only one that holds the keys to death and the grave. He is the gate. He's the only way to get to the Father. And I thank you, Lord, for that truth. And may truth always win out. God, I pray for your spirit now to be working in the hearts of every person here. I want every heart cleared before they leave, Lord. And I know, Lord, my own testimony, not every, every moment happens at an altar. So I pray for the moments that are happening now in the pews to rise up your church. It's time for us to stand and share the truth, who the true gate is. 
and what that looks like in following Jesus Christ. I pray for that revival in your church, Lord, in this community and around the world. We thank you for the word of God that is alive and active and available freely for us to come today in this sanctuary and online to gather together. May we never overlook the freedom we're blessed with. Father, as we leave here today, may the message continue to stir in our hearts and may we share it with those around us because there's a very dark world out there. And last week you told us that you are the light and how we carry that light. May we share it with others today. Share the truth of who the gate is and how, how to answer that call of, yes, Lord, I believe. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, and all of his people said, amen. Hey, I hope you received exactly what you needed from that message. If you want to connect with us, you can find us on Facebook, YouTube, or you can always find us in person if you're in the area. If you'd like to support our ministries, you can find us on Tithely. Thank you to those who support our church. I hope you will subscribe and join us on the next one. And remember, you are loved.